Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hi, and thanks for joining me. I'm Gil, aka Coach T. Health, wellness, and fitness is my passion. I'm an ultra marathon runner, yoga fan, educator, breathwork enthusiast, and a new dad to my beautiful baby boy, which is the most demanding activity yet. As a coach and athlete, I've met some of the most incredible people. Now, I want to share their insight, experience, and life up till now with you. In this episode, we speak to Gok Yassin about how he established his own fitness identity. During our conversation, you'll learn how he positioned himself to succeed in a very competitive industry. So, without further ado, let's meet Gok. Welcome, Gok. Thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate you uh, you coming in to speak with uh, with me and uh, sharing your your story. Hi, nice to be here, Joe. It's um, yes, it's it's great to uh, talk to people, especially when it's COVID, because there's not a lot of people to talk about or talk to. So it's uh, it's interesting times. Now you are, as I said earlier, probably one of the most stylish cool trainers I know out there what we want to know what I'd like to know is kind of where where did you come from where did you start what's your what's your story in the the health and fitness industry I guess I guess I got to take it to my teenage years so to speak so I I wasn't a very healthy teenager I could I could prop I think I think the first push-up I was able to do was when I was at the age of 18 um, so I used to play a lot of basketball in school. Um, so I used to yo-yo between being overweight and being underweight. And uh, as a result, I, I, I came across a lot of self-esteem issues and stuff. That's how I initially got myself into fitness. So I was in and out of the gym um, through my teenage years, but then I, I set myself uh, to consistently work out and work on my health and fitness at the age of 18. Um, I really got into fitness. I was pretty much training every day and I got dazzled by all the bodybuilding magazines up there thinking that um, uh, the figures that I saw in flex uh, were achievable naturally. So uh, and my and my very first trainer was actually um, someone who said that one of these figures that I saw would be achievable in six months. And that's what initially drove me. Of course, in six months, I never really got there. But it was it was always a question that I always asked myself at the time. Is it because I was only doing four sets of preacher curls? Should I have to do six sets of preacher curls? Was it because I had 10 reps or was it eight reps or 12 reps? Was I not eating enough protein? Um, these are all questions I kept asking myself through, uh, through uh, while I was 18, 19, 20, when I entered, attended uni. Then I uh, actually, what I did at university was English literature. So very, very far removed from fitness, so to speak. And then uh, when I was 21, I, uh, I just thought I've, I've worked myself up into um, enhancing my fitness knowledge so much, which was at the time, in retrospect, not that much. Um, so then, <laughs> then I decided to get a certification Reebok to uh, teach aerobics, step aerobics, body conditioning, core Pilates, power yoga, mm-hmm. all the all the class based stuff because I did have a bit of charisma as well. So I thought it'd be a nice way to um, earn a, earn an extra buck while I was at university because that's when I moved to uh, United Kingdom. Yeah. So I moved to the UK to study audio design and production. Uh, again, which is very far removed from fitness. 
Um, so while I was at university, I started teaching in a local leisure center. Again, this was just, it was, it was never part of my plan to make this into a career. It was just something I could do while at university. My first class, I, I still remember my first class. It was quite a disaster. It was a body conditioning class. I was covering the class for someone else. And it was supposed to be, it was supposed to be an hour's class, but at around a 45 minute mark, I ran out of breath. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, um, there were, yeah, yeah, there were, there were many people in the class. There were only six people in the class and, uh, they were very understanding. They were like, it's okay. We can do a cool down now. You'll be okay. And stuff like <laughs> that. Um, so yeah, I mean, I could have, I could have just given up hope. This is not for me. And then just, you know, not gone back to fitness and continue my life with music. But, um, I, I persisted, um, and the group exercise coordinator at the time gave me a bit of stock and said you know fine you're a new instructor I'll, I'll allow you a bit of leeway and give you more cover and I slowly started building up a following through cover classes and then uh, started getting permanent classes then I was teaching aerobics uh, yoga and body conditioning permanently then I additionally qualified to teach aqua aerobics um, it was it was all it was all like a circus show <laughs> <laughs> and I was balancing I was balancing this with university and I think uh, about two years after I was teaching regularly, it sort of um, came upon me that I was really enjoying fitness delivery to the point that I was enjoying fitness delivery more than I was enjoying music production. And uh, when I graduated, um, I, was, I was at a crossroads. Do I continue pursuing fitness as a career or do I go into some other role that uh, might or might not excite me? And that's when I decided to qualify as a personal trainer. And once I qualified as a personal trainer, it was, it was a search of what all personal training courses say. You need to get into a gym and build your client base. You will earn 30,000 on-target estimates. And, <laughs> and this, is, this, is, this is what everyone, uh, it, it, just, it just becomes a pipe dream at the point, mm -hmm. right? And then, um, so yeah, I approached different uh, chains, uh, chain gyms, and I finally set my sights on Virgin Active. So I, I became a personal trainer at the Oxford Street branch in Virgin Active, which actually doesn't exist anymore. It was, it was, it was pretty much baptism by fire. You're thrown onto the gym floor and you have XYZ expectations of what it's going to be like. You think you're going to quickly build your client base. There are people waiting for a personal trainer to come in. And it was totally not that. Um, it, was, it was difficult. It was testing. So I was living in Kent. And I was commuting into London uh, in the morning. So I'd probably be in the gym for like 8 a.m. And I'd stay in the gym till the evening and night and catch a train back to Kent. So it was, it was, it was a testing time. And um, because you're not really paid a salary as a personal trainer and you're paid purely based on the sessions that you deliver, it was, it was financially quite challenging as well. So I, st I, was st I got to a point where I was still teaching a few classes in the leisure center where I first started and I was personal training in, in uh, London. Yeah, then uh, it got to a point where uh, a few months along that I was, I was looking for maybe progressing into management of sorts because I, I did have like uh, skills and uh, I wanted to exercise those skills. And getting into management is actually very challenging as well because you're pitted against uh, people in the same uh, field. 
So it's very little to set you apart from everyone else, especially when you're starting off as a manager. Luckily, I was able to convince one of the directors to uh, give me a secondment as a group exercise manager because he saw that I had a strong background in group exercise as well. Yeah, yeah. Then uh, I think that was a time when Virgin Active also just bought Esporta. And uh, because I, I, I sort of automatically had the values of a Virgin Activist, so to speak, uh, they thought I'd be a good fit to transition Esporta into Virgin Active program-wise. Again, it was it was a very small role. It was a 10-hour role where I was working 40 hours. And then I was also, again, teaching in the Leisure Center as well. So yeah, I did that for three months and it was it was to set the pace and uh, they saw that I was able to cope and I was able to deliver on deliverables and um, then I quickly progressed into a fitness and personal training manager role. So I went to a few different clubs in that and it was it was basically like six months to a year in one club, then I'd fix the product there, then go to another club, six months to one year in the other club, then fix the product there and move on, move on, move on. And this was exciting because I was growing, uh, but at the same time, I, it, it, yeah, but when I when I finally got into a full time role, I did give up teaching in the leisure center. And then it, after a couple of years of being a manager, it reached a point where I was I was actually missing the delivery aspect. It sort of became all about coaching trainers and um, administration and managing revenues and profit and loss uh, versus the core reason as to why I entered the industry, which is delivering fitness. And then I was looking at opportunities while being employed at Virgin Active to teach as well, uh, but this time in London, because I'd moved to London in that time. That's when I came across uh, this boutique fitness chain called Hardcore. Yeah. And uh, that's when I started teaching at Hardcore. So um, I, was, I was teaching the TRX program. This was May 2014 if I remember correctly and again it was a little different because I knew how to use a TRX and I'd use a TRX personally but I'd never really use a TRX in a class setting and I was I was used to teaching aerobics step aerobics body conditioning but that's this was in a large mass scale so you'd have like 30 people in a class and they'll all be doing mambos cha-chas and uh, grapevines versus a TRX class where you have these straps hanging it'll be a much smaller class eight to 12 people and uh, it's sort of like a blend of uh, personal training and group fitness so you need to bring that energy that you have in a group exercise class but there's a very keen focus on uh, form correction and programming even more so than a group exercise class so then I, I, I found that very exciting because that put myself significantly outside my comfort zone because I wasn't used to the small group training environment then I started juggling that with my management uh, responsibilities of Virgin Active and I was doing both of them at the same time and I absolutely enjoyed it. Towards the end of the year in 2014, the founder offered me to head the program because I had scaled my classes in such a way that people were really enjoying it and they wanted to continuously see more of me. So I, I, I sort of left version at the time and then became full-time at uh, Hardcore as a head of strength and conditioning. This is a great opportunity because it sort of took me out of the big box gym setting, which I was so used to, and exposed me to the growing boutique market at a time when it was really exploding. Yeah. Um, so if you remember, that was roughly the time when Class Pass came into London market. Every every month, yeah, every month you sort of saw a new fitness proposition or a new boutique studio popping up. And a big part of my role was to explore the market, look at trends, and... Uh, quality control the program and uh, liaise with the trainers, see what's lacking and sort of uh, create workarounds and grow the program to that end. We were sort of growing one new studio every single year. And uh, a lot of the design of the spaces also came into my remit. Overall, I got like a large um, 
area of experience in that. And I was very, very grateful to the company to allow me to do that as well. The, the, the thing with product is um, you'll, you'll find an industry that there are not many product roles to grow into because, and it's a very competitive space because you'll have probably one head of product in every company and, uh, that you want to work at. So then I started moving more into operations because I did gain a lot of operational knowledge at my time in Virgin Active. So then I started taking care of the operations side of things at Hardcore uh, at the same time while I was teaching because I didn't want to lose touch with teaching again because I, I, I remembered what it felt like when I was at Virgin Active because I wasn't teaching or delivering any fitness at all. And at the same time, I started building up a personal training base outside uh, in, in, in a private setting as well. So once I moved into operations, I, I did that for about a year and a half at Hardcore. And then I saw an opportunity to rise back at Virgin Active to uh, head operations for a few sites. And uh, then I then went back to Virgin Active in that. This is almost like a full circle. But uh, it, it, it was a little different in that end because uh, this time I was equipped with uh, class delivery, which I had on the side and personal training. So I was, I was sort of having the best of both worlds of uh, managing uh, operations at, at Virgin and uh, being part of fitness delivery. So right now I teach at Core Collective. So I primarily teach the TRX classes, but I'm also going to start teaching the circuit classes once once things open back up. And uh, yeah, so to that end right now, so I, I'm still head of operations at Virgin Active. I got personal training clients outside and I teach classes, but I do DJ as well, just to stay a little bit in touch with my music. <laughs> Once COVID ends, I might, I might pick that up again, depending on how much time I have uh, to physically function. But yeah. Yeah, you know, just listening to you and, and this all kind of brings up so many points that I'm very interested in, you know, looking at development of trainers and coaches in the industry. And from your experience, you've been that lucky few who have had the opportunity to work both on the delivering of the practical sides and the operation sides. You know, you, you mentioned it and, and I'll go on again. You know, you either kind of start off delivering, you know, with the small amount of knowledge that you have and you grow your knowledge and then you have either the option to go operations where you go management and, and work your way up there and, and kind of sway away from the, the practical side or you, um, you, you find your niche and you um, practice that in more depth and detail and, and um, accuracy. Um, but there's, there's very few trainers, coaches, um, people just working in the industry that have had so much of both experiences. And it definitely shows in your training, it definitely shows in you know, how you communicate with your clients and also in, in how you run your own business. I mean, you know, before before the the podcast, we we had a little bit of a text message, and you were talking about how uh, how you were preparing, and I mean that's just like it it personifies you, just absolute preparation before you go in. Going back to to you know you arriving in the UK now, understanding what was the culture of health, fitness, and and lifestyle before you came to the UK. What what was your understanding of that, and how do you think that affected you? As I said, when I when I was uh, when I was growing up in Dubai, I, I grew up in a family where uh, fitness and health and fitness and exercising was actually frowned upon. If anything, my yeah, my parents would ask me why I wanted to go to the gym, uh, why I was working out. They were quite content with me sitting in front of the TV and eating junk food. 
and uh, you know it's it's uh, people people fall into these lifestyles and um, it takes a lot of onus uh, on yourself to motivate yourself to take that step into fitness when you grow up especially so if your parents aren't really into it now uh, everything's changing where people are more educated on the on the benefits of health and fitness especially in ethnic minorities where uh, diabetes and obesity are on, on all time high. So <laughs> right now, I mean, uh, last time I went to India, I actually gave a TRX to my mom and gave her a few exercises. She's actually doing that daily. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. But when I went to India, again, India was quite different because um, sure, the industry is picking up now and people are uh, gaining more understanding modalities. But at the time when I was at university, it was all about the gym setting. Um, people going to gyms and working out. And it was at at the time, from what I saw, it was very male dominant, the whole drive towards fitness and propositions available for women was actually very low or or close to nothing. Sure, there were like a few aerobic classes and spin classes here and there, but it was never really part of the mainstream. But when I moved to the UK, it was was entirely on the flip side because sure, there is a gym environment that both men and women work out, but there's very strong class propositions as well, which women can take part in. Actually, mostly women take part in, even even now in group exercise, because uh, I think think men... um, I, I, I've thought about this a lot. I think men feel a bit more conscious, self-conscious in classes because women just perform so well that they probably feel that their 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 realm of influence stays best in the free weights area. Again, it's it's. I think it's also because um, I've seen men who stick to the group fitness um, realm to actually improve very quickly. But I think if people don't uh, take that extra effort to stick with it and uh, wait for the results to happen, then they don't see it. And they pretty much like how I was in my teenage years, I just kept going in and out of the gym because I wasn't seeing what I wanted to see. So yeah, the, the markets are so different in different countries, but I can could see that over the last few years, they've been aligning a lot more. The, the fact that women take on advice and guidance in a slightly more welcoming way than men do. You know, if you see a woman in the class, you, you go up and approach her and, you know, help her with some guidance, she'll take that on and bam, you know, change midway through class, no problem. I think it's changing. I mean, you again would probably have more insight into that given that you you doing so many classes and see so many people. But again, it's just something I've, felt and, and noticed over the years. I, I, would, I would agree that to an extent because uh, I started teaching a hardcore in 2014 and this is 2020 now. So over the six years, I can roughly say the average number of people I see, uh, men who I see in class on average are probably 20%. Uh, so two out of 10 people are probably men. And that, that really hasn't changed. Uh, that was actually one of the things I very closely looked at a hardcore. How can I change my programming to attract more men into the classes? And it, it was very hit or miss because it wasn't really the programming that changed it. Again, I think it's the setting. Uh, men feel a lot more uncomfortable being in a class surrounded by women who are seriously strong. Again, this is controversial. Doing, doing things better than them. They're, they're not used to seeing that in a fitness setting. So that's why I think they feel, they feel more comfortable around machines and free weights where they can use brute strength to show their dominance, so to speak. Okay, so let's let's talk about where you're at right now. Now, I, I will say your Instagram 
is is one of the ones that I, I go to on a daily basis just to just to see what you're doing, catch up on on what's going on. A little bit to watch your TRX videos because they are oh man, they are so well put together. I, I'm I love them. You are definitely one of the most stylish trainers I know. You you're definitely like your your shoe game is tight, man. Your your beer game, uh, you, you can see I'm just an amateur compared. That's uh, not bad, not bad. Oh, thanks. I <laughs> try. Um, and just just your kind of lifestyle where it's not this whole hundred percent gym training fitness. It's it's a little bit on like relaxed, comfortable style, bringing in different aspects of of who you are to you know change your your persona really. And where how how do you how do you find your style? How do you you know how do you kind of curate your your fashion style your your lifestyle I, I think you hit on a very important point because when i first entered the industry as a personal trainer i i thought the the standard was the personal trainer needs to track his macros needs to track the macros for the clients and the clients need to be super serious about their training or health and fitness cannot be achieved but then it took me a few years to get the experience and step back and say actually this should be part and parcel of your life and fitness needs to be an extension of your life as opposed to be the dictator of your life. So then I, I, I sort of uh, took it from the client's perspective as well, where uh, they have X, Y, and Z going on in their lives. And it is very, uh, I mean, each to their own. I'm sure there are lots of people who take their training super seriously. But uh, for the most part, people just want fitness to add to their lives as opposed to take over their lives. And it's very easy as trainers to dictate what they should do uh, versus looking at their lives and see how you can best fit, fit fitness for them and make it work for them. So you'll go to a certain course. I mean, I did this myself when I was uh, working at, at, in the gym setting. I went to a course and for the next week, I would focus on putting whatever exercise I learned in that course into every single program, whether it worked for them or not. Um, and then I would, I would keep them very uh, hard and fast on uh, nutrition and what they need to do to quickly achieve uh, whatever goals I've tracked for them, which is, which is absolutely a major part of getting uh, goals achieved. But then uh, you need to put in the human factor that they are probably under a lot of pressure at work, a lot of pressure at home. And is this actually the best way for them to achieve their goals? And will they finally find happiness in that end? So after a lot of trial and error, it's what I realized it's different for different people. Again, it's different for me. So I still, I still train every day. Sometimes I train twice a day, but then I train to, um, to fulfill myself as opposed to fulfill what society thinks that my body should look like or what I should do to, uh, be happy in the health and fitness sense. And I do the same thing for every single client that I have. So yeah, so I haven't, I, I did, I did lose my individuality somewhere along the way before. And then I found my, found, found a way to bring it back. And hence how I have always loved shoes. I think it's because I didn't get a lot of shoes when I was younger. So I'm compensating for that now. Um, and then, yeah, I think, I think the crux of what I'm trying to say is uh, you need to allow for your individuality as trainers and uh, people's individuality as people and find a way to fit health and fitness into your goals and their goals in a way that it adds to their life and uh, bears fruit for them and yourself at the same time. There's so many trainers out there and, and the quality of, of knowledge is starting to increase. So it's, it's about how do you, how do you make yourself stand out? How do you bring not just your, 
your knowledge, but your ability, your skills, your you to the table when someone comes to train with you, work with you. You know, we spend hours and hours and hours with people, helping them, guiding them, you know, and I've been a strong believer in if if you don't get on with somebody, then it's it's not going to be a very fruitful experience, uh, not a fruitful relationship. But if someone comes to you and goes, right, you know, I, I I've I've seen you, I see what you do, you know, I, I enjoy it, it's it's fascinating. I, I feel like you know you're someone that that not only has the knowledge, but you know it doesn't take themselves too seriously, or or knows how to relax, or knows when to loosen up and when to tighten up. You know, these things are so important when we're working in the industry. Exactly. Um, again, it comes back to what you said. What do people actually want and what do you give them? Um, there is so, like you said, there is so much knowledge out there. First, you need to filter through what's required for the person that you're with. And a lot of it is, has to do with people skills. The best personal trainer, in my opinion, isn't the personal trainer that knows everything, but it's the, it's the more personable people that actually succeed. Of course, you need to have a strong work ethic. You need to be on time. You need to have your sessions planned. You need to have uh, short-term, long-term, medium-term goals for every single client of yours. But how do you translate this to actual performance? Again, bringing the human aspect into it. As long as you bring every, every single aspect into that, then you can successfully start creating a strong client base. I do also see a number of people who enter the industry with the sole uh, aspiration of making money. Uh, but uh, again, it comes back to, I think the money will come as long as you have a strong work ethic and you have strong uh, integrity and um, you follow through with your own short-term, medium-term, long-term goals. And uh, it'll just come in, a, in the process. But there is a process. When you start off, you need to make those mistakes. You need to learn from those mistakes. You need to continue educating yourself. And then with patience and hard work, Anyone can make it in the industry, but it does take a lot of patience, a lot of hard work and a strong work ethic. You know, I, I know you back from your hardcore days, uh, hardcore days. Um, and, you know, already then you were, you were, I would say, on top of the game, really pushing the boundaries, doing some really cool stuff. But it's just nice to go back and see where you came from and all of those little bits along the way and as you said in the beginning you you kind of complete these courses and and qualifications and you step out and you go right i'm going to earn six figures in a year and you know i'm going to be the best and everybody's going to be wanting me on their shows and and all of that kind of stuff and suddenly you get into your first gym role and you realize oh actually i'm cleaning treadmills and i'm sweeping the floor and i'm you know, working on reception and doing stuff at the bar and all of these kind of things. And, and suddenly you, you kind of, your drive, your, your enthusiasm for the industry, you know, for, for a lot of people, it does kind of fade away. But if you work through it, if you're consistent, if you know what you're doing and, and have that little spark, I mean, the sky's the limit as, as you're proving right now. It, it, is, it is something that I saw almost on a monthly basis new trainers who just qualified coming into the gyms that i was uh, managing with personal training teams and the first conversation that i always had with them was a very frank conversation a very reality a very much a reality check for them this is going to be challenging you are going to be challenged there are days that you will want to quit but you need to uh, exhibit X, Y, and Z behaviors and do X, Y, and Z tasks and be ready for rejection to be able to succeed in this industry. 
And I think that is something that they don't really teach in courses because in courses that they say, yeah, you go into the gym, you'll get clients, you'll be successful versus the true realities of the gym floor is actually not, not known to a lot of people who just enter the industry, which I think is something that can change uh, with, with time. But again, it also helps that the boutique fitness market is booming so much because it opens up other opportunities for them as well on the side. But then I think the biggest, biggest tip that I can uh, give anyone in the fitness industry is uh, try and diversify as much as you can. So if you, if, you, uh, if you are able to teach classes, teach some classes. If you're able to PT, do a bit of PT. If you have management skills, maybe step in a bit, a bit of management. And the more you diversify, the less prone you are to risk. So for example, I know people who only teach classes say, uh, and uh, because of the pandemic, no one can teach classes. So what do you do in that aspect? Uh, so a lot of trainers that I know have started picking up Zoom classes because they're able to. Or uh, they will do Zoom one to one, but if you're if you're if you didn't have that uh, ability to diversify, then it sort of becomes a more challenging proposition being in fitness. Yeah, you know that's that's one very important skill, very important um, quality to have. And I, I might want to add something to that is is collaborations. Talk to your buddies. Talk to people you know. You know, it it may be another trainer, it may be a, a, another profession altogether. But collaborate, get out there, meet different people, speak to different people. You know, there's so many courses out there teaching the, the theory behind it all. But really, the only way to develop and learn and, and grow is practice and speaking to and learning from those who have already been there or those who are succeeding in a different area. You know, it helps to bring you up. And there's, there's obviously countless opportunities to give back you know, if, if you're helping a buddy out at, uh, at some point. Absolutely. I mean, networking is so important. That's how we met. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it is true. And uh, you, you get different insights and uh, meeting people from different um, backgrounds. It just adds to your own uh, experience and uh, your own ability to grow as an individual and as a trainer. So, Gok, big question here built on your knowledge and, and your history, but where do you feel or think or, or visualize the health, fitness and wellness industry going in the next year, two years, three years? What, what is your idea? What is your hope? And kind of what is the, what is the kind of bottom line that you think we're going to move into? Yeah. I mean, uh, this is all speculation based on my experience. So what I think is uh, what's COVID done is actually fast forward the online growth of fitness. So a lot of companies sped up their plans. It's always been in the pipeline, online training, online classes, online products. Um, but because of COVID, it's, it's sped up that R&D process and they have had to launch to just basically survive. Um, so of course, a lot of the market share right now is taken by online propositions and you probably noticed the boom of Peloton, uh, where they were sort of performing okay pre pandemic right now they're on top of the game and it's, it's, yeah, it's probably, probably, uh, over overtaken all the forecasts that they've had for 2020 and 2021 to the point where they've just bought pre-core to increase their production. Um, and sure, uh, the online proposition will continue growing as long as the pandemic goes on. 
but I, I personally feel uh, people are itching to get back to um, community-based um, boutique fitness studios and uh, and the gyms because I personally can't wait till I step back into a gym because I miss that environment and I miss being around other people and working out with other people. I think that's a large part of um, being part of the fitness and wellness community. The fact that you are in a community. I mean, Zoom Zoom is great because I can't really do much else right now. Um, so yeah, online will continue having a market share in fitness, but I think it will go down once the pandemic ends and fitness in person is going to build back up. Booty fitness that focus on communities will continue growing. Uh, I think gym propositions where uh, there's a lot of uh, facilities available will continue proliferating. Um, and uh, online will continue being a presence as well. So I think, I think once the pandemic ends, the health and fitness industry is going to be stronger than ever because um, COVID's highlighted that um, you need to be fit to be able to beat this because I think people with obesity and uh, pre-existing conditions are more, more uh, prone to more complications and people are seeing that. And I think they're putting a lot more stock into their own health and fitness and nutrition. So in the long run, it's going to be stronger than ever. But in the short term, of course, there are going to be a number of limitations and uh, hurdles that the industry needs to go through to pick back up. Oh, man, I, I so agree with you. I think there's definitely going to be a change. There's, there's going to be a, um, a, a, new, a new normal, if, if I can use that term, um, where kind of uh, technology meets old school gym and and boutique fitness but i'm i'm definitely in agreement with you that there is a need for people to link with fitness communities to link with health communities and to be able to you know be there and listen and learn and and experience together in in the same building really i mean that's I think that's that's who we are. That's our nature as humans, you know, to to get together. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but it's it's as you said, it's going to look different. It's it's going to be slightly different in the beginning, but we'll we'll work around that. Absolutely. Something that that I'm always fascinated by, and and we we do this with all our guests, is just to find out a little bit about the people that you're watching, the people that you connect with, the uh, the influencers, the the trainers, the the people with the knowledge that you're watching in it you think other people should be aware of or would be interested in so i don't know if you if you have you know a couple of people you can you can name drop yeah i mean um we we speak so much about community and uh how uh as trainers especially that we want our workouts to be community-based um, there are a few people that come to mind who have very successfully done this. One is Alexia Clark. I don't know if you heard of her. She's, uh, she's, she's got a huge presence on Instagram. Um, and she's got this queen team going on where she sort of empowers women to um, take control of their uh, destinies and health and fitness. And she's got a number of uh, online programs and propositions that people can take up to uh, get fundamentally better. But at the same time, she creates great content as well, which uh, is available for free. And she's, uh, I, I think it's very impressive that she's built such a strong community. And it's something that every trainer can, uh, can uh, use as a role model. Another one who I, who I look at quite 
uh, favorably is Ashley Jordan. Um, again, she's uh, she's got this workout program, and she also creates a lot of uh, small workouts on Instagram that she gives out for free. And she's also created this uh, clothing line, which is which is very popular as well. So um, uh, it's it's great to see that trainers can diversify, grow, and uh, give back with uh, content, and be able to uh, create businesses on the side to um, to uh, engage the community even more. Brilliant, man. Yeah, I, I I don't know these two people yet, but trust me, I'm going to go check them out as soon as we're done with our uh, our recording. Now, before we go. What have you got on at the moment? How can people get in touch with you? You know, what are your links? I mean, uh, for me personally, it's just uh, my Instagram. So I just create workouts, like you said, with TRX um, because I really enjoy the tool. And I think it's, uh, I think what I enjoy the most about the TRX is it's, uh, you're able to, uh, whether you're new to fitness or you've been seasoned for a long time, there are ways to scale. So it's very inclusive. So anyone can use a TRX. Uh, like I said, I, my, I have my mom working out every day with a TRX and uh, she looks at my videos and <laughs> tries everything that she can with it. And it's, it's so versatile that right? you can go to the park and hang it up or you can uh, just use it on your door frame. And I constantly get DMs from people asking me to create a workout for this muscle group or this muscle group, focus more on this muscle group. And um, they themselves have quite a strong community going on in the TRX training page, which I constantly engage with as well. So my, my Instagram is uh, the potential and you can connect with me if you have any questions or if you just want to use my workouts, you can use my workouts. It's all good. What we'll do is we'll link your details in the uh, the notes below. And guys, I, I recommend if, if you're interested in training, if you're interested in lifestyle, if you, uh, if you like shoes, if you need a daily meme that just hits the right spot, go check out Gox. Um, Instagram page. It's really, really great. God, thank you again so much for your time. I know you're a busy guy, so I really appreciate it. Um, I know the listeners are going to appreciate it too. Have a fantastic day and um, we will definitely be in touch soon. You too, girl. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Chat to you later. Bye for now.